Well, hello, RYBC family. Um, welcome to Reflections in Jeremiah. Uh, this afternoon is uh, reflection number four in Jeremiah. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them with you, to Jeremiah chapter three. I just want to give a, a brief summary of what we looked at so far. So in Jeremiah chapter one, we, we looked specifically at at Jeremiah's call, where, where God called Jeremiah to be a prophet to the people of Israel and to the nations. And then in chapter 2, uh, we looked at two specific things in chapter 2, but it's basic, basically chapter 2 is, is where God confronts his people for forsaking him. They, as we looked at, became devoted to worthless things, and because of that, they themselves became worthless. And, and not only that, we saw that they forsook they forsook the fountain of living water for cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That, that was the two evils they had committed against God. They, they forsook him and they went after cisterns, broken cisterns that have no water to satisfy their thirst. So, so God confronts their sin. He confronts their faithlessness and their adultery against him. Well, in chapter 3, God now calls faithless, adulterous Israel to return to him, specifically by repentance and obedience, to, to acknowledge the sin they've committed and then to return to him and his ways. And if they do this, you'll see in Jeremiah 3 that God will then restore them. He will then establish them. He will then bring them back, so to speak, to Zion. Now, one of the ways he will restore them is by giving them shepherds who desire God's ways and teach God's ways. And this is what we read about in chapter 3, verses 15. Now, jump back to verse 12, because I'm going I'm to just give you a little bit of the context. So this is God's call to Israel to return. He, he's calling them to repentance. And this is what we read in verse 12 through to 15. Go and proclaim these words to the north. So, so God's telling Jeremiah, go and proclaim these words to the north. That is to, to the northern tribes of Israel. Return, faithless Israel, declares the Lord. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, declares the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Only acknowledge your guilt that you rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among foreigners under every green tree, and that you have not obeyed my voice, declares the Lord. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master. I will take you from a city and two from and from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So God declares this, He's summoning Israel, return to me. Turn away from your errors, acknowledge your guilt, come back to me, and, and I will relent of my anger. I will show you mercy. I will reestablish you. And then in verse 15, he, he shows part of the way in which he seeks to restore Israel. He says this, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So in their returning to the Lord, God's going to bless Israel with shepherds. 
after his own heart who will feed them with knowledge and understanding. Now, this shepherd metaphor in the Old Testament is is typically related to civic and religious authority. So, uh, for example, David as king was considered to be a shepherd to God's people. He was to lead the people of God and to give them understanding in God's ways. Now, when you go to the New Testament, this metaphor of shepherd is, is taken... And it's applied into the life of the church, specifically with elders and pastors. Elders and pastors are, are basically the same thing. They're, they're, they're two words to designate the same reality. So these elders, pastors, are described as being shepherds of God's people. They are to shepherd the flock that God has entrusted to them. Now, here in this passage, there are two things that God describes about these shepherds. One, he speaks about their character, what they're like. And then secondly, he defines their job description, what they will do. So what does he say about their character? Well, he says in the passage, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. It's interesting. King David was described as that, a man after God's own heart. What does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Well, it means a lot of things, but you could summarize it as this. A man after God's own heart is someone who is consumed with what God is consumed with. A man after God's own heart or, or a woman after God's own heart is, is one who trembles at his word. They fear the Lord. They desire to honor him above all other things. They long for his ways and they long for God's people to walk in his ways. So this these shepherds that God is going to give to Israel, they're going to be after God's own heart. They're going to lead the people in the ways of God because they themselves desire the things of God. But he also tells their job description. He says, what does he say? They or who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Their task, these shepherds, is to feed the sheep, the people of God. And the food they give is knowledge and understanding. Knowledge of God and understanding of His ways. In other words, they're to teach the people of God the ways of God, so that they then might walk in His ways. See, this is one of the signs, I think, that, that God is blessing His people. He raises up godly shepherds to lead and teach God's sheep God's ways. So, so here's what I want us to think about. Why does knowledge of God and understanding of his ways matter so much? That, that God would raise up shepherds to teach the people. Why, why is it so important to have knowledge of God and to understand his ways? Well, if you jump over to Jeremiah 4, 22, here um, God is speaking again to Judah, to Israel. Jeremiah is actually lamenting in, in the previous verses, but in Jeremiah 4, 22, we, we then again see God speak and he says this, For my people are foolish. They know me not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding. They are wise 
in doing evil, but how to do good, they know not. How to do good, they know not. They are stupid children. They have no understanding, but they're wise in doing evil. They do not know how to do good. You see, part of, part of Israel's problem with sin is actually due to their ignorance, their lack of knowledge of God and his ways. And the reality is almost all the scripture testifies to this. For example, in, in Hosea chapter 4, in, in verse 1, we, we read this about Israel. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. Then you jump down to verse 6 of chapter 4 in Hosea, and we see this. My people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. See that? God confronts Israel over the fact that they have no knowledge of God, that they have forgotten God's law. They've become ignorant. And because of that, sin has just flourished amongst them. You see, it wouldn't be, argue, it wouldn't be wrong to argue that the fundamental problem with humanity, in one sense, is ignorance. Ignorance of God. Now, it's willful ignorance. They choose to not know. This is precisely what Paul argues in Romans chapter 1. In verse 18, where Paul's unpacking God's wrath against sinful humanity, he says this, that God's wrath is revealed against ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. They willfully suppress that which is true about God. They willfully are ignorant. See, their ignorance is due to the fact that they suppress God's truth. And then, then jumping down to verse 21 of Romans 1, we see this. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. And then you jump down to verse 24 and 25. We're told that God gave them up to all kinds of lusts and impurities. And we're told why specifically in verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And because of that, God gave them up to do what ought not to be done. In other words, they willfully became ignorant of God. They suppressed the truth. They embraced a lie willfully because of their love for sin. You see, it's possible to have knowledge of God and it will make no difference in your life. There are people who know the Bible, but yet they don't love God, they don't serve God, they don't honor Him, their lives are not conformed to His ways. But it's impossible to live a life pleasing to God without any knowledge of Him. This is why in the New Testament there, there's such an emphasis on the teaching of God's word to the people of God. This is why, for example, elders or pastors are, are given the primary task of unfolding God's word 
to his people. This is why, for example, in 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul states, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. That is, pay, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. Why? Well, the teaching of God's word is so essential to the life of a church that elders who are given to the primary task of teaching should be able to make their living from it so that they can actually give their full attention to it. Because a pastor who is able to devote his full time to the study of God's word will only be a benefit to the people of God in contrast to a pastor who can't do that. This is why it's, it's so important for churches to, to do everything they can to be able to, to pay or to be able to care for the needs of especially their, their pastors who are given to teaching. Because teaching is so central to, to the, the well-being, the flourishing of God's people. You see, to neglect this task is to neglect the very means by which God transforms His people. This is why theology, the study of God, is essential for the people of God. See, if we do not know Him or His ways, we will not honor Him nor walk in His ways. As Calvin said, where there is no knowledge of God, there is no religion, and religion he means in a good way, devotion, there is no religion, piety is extinct, faith is destroyed. That's why God raised up shepherds, raises up shepherds to teach his people about him and his ways. So I have three applications for us in light of this. And the first is this, pray for your shepherds. Pray for your pastors and elders. They've been given the task of unfolding God's word to you. I, I ask you to pray for me. I, I have been given the primary task at Royal York to teach and unfold God's word to us. And, and I want to be faithful to that task. And, and I need your prayers to do that. Secondly, pray also that, that God would raise up more shepherds in our midst, more pastors, elders that would be able to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Secondly, commit yourself to being taught the word of God by the teachers God has placed over you. There's nothing more important for your soul than to gather with the saints and to sit under the teaching of God's word. There's nothing more important for your soul than that. Thirdly, you yourself grow in your knowledge of God because you actually have a responsibility to keep the shepherds, to keep your pastors and el elders accountable to God's word. Not only that, you are also called to grow in godliness, and that won't happen if you don't learn of God. And so here's my final exhortation for you from this reflection. Be a student of God and His ways. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not left us in darkness, but that in your wisdom and by your grace and by your spirit, you raise up individuals in the life of your churches, your local churches, who have been given the specific gifting and calling to teach your people your word. 
And I pray, Lord, that one, you would help me and my other fellow elders to be committed to this. And I also pray, Lord, that our church would pray for their shepherds and pray that God would raise up more. And I pray that we would be a people who would value the teaching of your word and not just be hearers of it, but that we would be doers of it as well. That what we hear and learn, we would then put into practice and submit ourselves to for the glory of Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful students of your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Royal York, thanks for uh, joining me and, and watching this video. And I pray that you'd be encouraged by this. Blessings to you all. Bye.